Welcome to Living on Purpose. I'm Mark Pumphrey, along with my co-host, Dr. Christy Stewart, coming to you from the Circle City, Indianapolis, Indiana. And I'm kind of excited about today's show because along with other shows that we've done in the past, this one is really about an individual that can keep improving themselves, and we're going to show you ways to do that, right? Some, some things that you might not have thought of that are pretty simple, but mm-hmm. they're, that are pretty pretty easy to implement, but that we might not um, spend time in doing them. Well, and I like that because when things are simple, they can be simply done. It doesn't mean easy. Correct. But it does mean that there's nothing complex about it. So definitely, I think this is going to be a fun show. Because I got to tell you, from the first time we spoke words, we were programmed that we needed to continue to improve, right? I mean, all the time when we, you know, said our first word, when we took our first step, then we just had to keep going and we kept reaffirming that. Then it was always like a good thing, right? Right. You know, you move from putting one word together to two words to sentences. You know, you went from crawling to walking, even though apparently you didn't. You didn't crawl. I did not crawl. We walked, but... (laughs) You know, we went from crawling to walking to running. Those are just things that we just naturally improved, you know, got our legs under us Mm -hmm. and and kept going. And, you know, we go to school each week, right? And we continually learn something new day after day, year after year. Well, we We, hope. (laughs) We hope. Yeah, we hope our kids do, right? But And we kept learning. But then we become adults and we think that we don't need to keep learning. You know, other right. than probably our jobs, right? We need to continually improve on our and jobs. May, maybe. We, you will write and maybe. maybe. <laughs> you know, if we want that promotion or whatever. But for some reason, as adults, we think that what we have and what we've learned is something that uh, we don't need to add to. That we don't need a new task that, uh, Lord forbid, if we fail and can't learn it or we're not good right. at it or yeah, whatever absolutely. all these reasons are that we decide we don't want to learn anymore. Mm-hmm. And I think we're tired, you know, that we are busy and we're tired. And and that's part of the reason why we don't, we're not going to do some of the things that we talk about well, on the list today is because absolutely. we're just tired. Easier to turn on the TV. <laughs> not, you can't learn from the TV. But, but we spend so much time as adults doing that we forget that being is what we're really here for. And being is part of learning. So the more self-aware we are, the happier we're going to be and the more accepting of others and those around us. I agree with that because, yeah, if you can be more self-aware, then you can actually change the things that you see wrong, right? I mean, that that totally makes sense. We've talked about that in a lot of different shows. And the more you realize that what you you don't know is normal. Nobody yes. knows everything. So Even though there's some folks out there that pretend to. Right. Except that, that, oh, I just don't know it. That doesn't mean I'm stupid. just doesn't mean I don't know it. It doesn't mean I can't learn it. It just means I don't know it right, right. now. So we're talking about continuing to improve so we can hone in on our strengths, right? right. You know, and I think it's more about identifying the passion within us. And, you know, and then that makes everything a little bit better. Yeah, well, it helps to improve our self-esteem, our self-confidence, in areas that maybe we're not good, mm-hmm. you know, uh, we learn something new, then we gain confidence and self-esteem. And we all have areas in our life, we did whole shows on that, right, of which we have low self-esteem and low confidence. We could name several of each other's. You know, I think you're really good at something that you maybe don't have a lot of confidence or self-esteem in, which yeah, seems kind of silly to me because I think you're really good at it. But it doesn't matter what I think. It matters what you think, and it matters Absolutely. how you feel about it. So those things that when you can learn, take baby steps and learning new things in those areas especially, 
or max, we say maximizing on our strengths, learning new things to maximize the strengths to better improve as we move forward or become more self-aware. Mm-hmm. Those are all huge pluses for us. Oh, yeah. And I mean, even for me, I'm going through a little of that low self-esteem right now at work currently. So, you know, but I'm trying to recognize that and take steps to get myself out of it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, it gives us more opportunities. Yes, you exactly. You know, and we see that at work, but in a lot of ways, we don't see that in our personal life. Mm-hmm. Right? We don't see how learning new things can actually enrich our lives, help us grow into those people that we want to be, help us find our passions, you know, and maximize on those things. And many times, this growing is essential to moving into different relationships and different areas in our life. I would agree with that because as you get older, you're going to and essentially grow, if you will. It'll give you tools. Yeah, exactly. So Because we really become who we want to be in life by working at it. Mm-hmm. You know, not by having some spark of luck and just falling <laughs> into it. You know, it's great when that luck hits you, but to plan on being lucky is probably oh, yeah. not a very good plan. That's not a good plan. Actually, I don't even know if you can call that a plan, to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah, as you say, you know, those people who, well, once I hit the lottery, yeah. you know, then I'll <laughs> the, pay my the house The retirement payment. plan is to hit the lottery, so right, there you go. not a great plan. <laughs> well, you know, our whole show revolves around living life on purpose, and we're able to do that and be a difference in our world when we continue to gain awareness of our purpose as it changes over time. You know, we all need to feel love and valued and important and that we matter to the world, that we matter to someone else. Absolutely. Those are all things that, again, we know in our professional life that if we continue to improve, we move up in our jobs, Mm -hmm. right? We're going to make more money. We can gain more respect. We create a life that's financially more comfortable. But in our personal life, many times we don't invest as much effort in improving as we do as in work. That's absolutely true in all areas of our personal life. Exactly. And in our personal life, we tend to become comfortable, stagnant, and we think that good enough is good enough until it's not. <laughs> Ooh, and that's an uphill battle. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. So in order to live like a rewarding and happy life, we need to know our purpose. And we also need to keep improving on that, right? I believe that to be true. I think that those are the things that enrich our life. So somebody sent you this list, eight ways to consistently improve. Right. But like you always do, you added a couple of touches to your I did. to the list yourself. So. <laughs> I did. I thought that there were a few other things on here that were uh, kind of valuable that weren't on this list. Sure. So. And, and again, this is simple stuff. Not always easy. Sometimes it's time constraints and things like that. So yeah, but sometimes the easiest things are the easiest things to overlook. But that's true. Yeah, because you may not even think, oh, I never even thought about that. So yeah. Or I haven't done that in such a long time. Oh, I love to do that. Like the first one. Read books. Yes. That's that's a great way to constantly keep improving. Absolutely. I mean, even if you do the audio books, which is a big, I love the audio books. There's all kinds of ways to read books. Yes. There's reading the traditional book where you have the pages in your hand, the audio book, as you Mm -hmm. say, the electronic books, um, you name it. You can get this information in a lot of different ways, Mm -hmm. but it's just basically number one is, is ingesting those things that are written by somebody else in, in kind of a book form. And it's about reading a good book, right? It's about getting the best advice from mentors throughout history on demand. Mm-hmm. Right? You can get anything that you want. That's um, true. At a, anything. I mean, 
just Google anything now, right? You can find, you know, five million hits on what it is you want to know. You couldn't do that 20 years ago. Or, no. But now you... You had the Dewey Decimal System, and good luck with that. Nobody's <laughs> figured that out. <laughs> you, um, you know, just like us, other muscles in the body, the brain needs to exercise, and reading is one way to do that. I agree. And, you know, a great author that we know, Othello Bach, if you ever get a chance yeah, to read any of her shows. books. Her show is on right after ours. That's Stick right. She learned to read at the age of 14 and right. is a best-selling author. So reading actually, I mean, she's a proven case where reading actually right. propels you. Right. She couldn't read until the eighth grade and she had a number one bestseller by the age of 24. <laughs> exactly. So anything's possible. Exactly. <laughs> it allows you to explain Expand your mind on any subject that you choose. Mm-hmm. What other things can you do that besides reading? Right? That's true. You can expand on anything. Well, and it's interesting because when you read something and it's related into a story, I don't care if it's fiction or whatever, mm-hmm. but and it you're like, I know what that means. Because you actually know what context it can be put in. Yeah, reading is a fantastic way to improve your vocabulary, to make you more rounded, more interesting. Reduce your stress. Oh yes, yes. You know, I mean, and, Curl and up a lot with of a good book. <laughs> yeah, well, a lot of times you can reduce your stress just by gaining more knowledge on something that's stressing you. Ah, uh, absolutely, right? yes. Uh, but it can entertain you. It can educate you. Um, gaining knowledge in in any way is going to enrich your life. I absolutely agree with that. I, there's nothing, and again, I can't stress enough the audio books because definitely a big fan of those and. Whether you're a big, I'm a nonfiction person, you're a nonfiction person, every once in a while I'll read fiction, but for the most part, find something that you like to read. I don't care if it's a leaflet, you know, read right, it. Exactly, so, exactly, yeah. anything. You know, but it expands your attention span, gives you a little bit more ability to concentrate and focus behind that whatever, however many seconds of a TV commercial, <laughs> right? So those are things that it really helps to, really helps to understand. That's another thing, it can expand your vocabulary. Right? And you exactly. can more words. You can understand different words, different meanings behind different words. You know, and our, yeah, our words matter show. What does she have? Like 14 pages of definitions from the dictionary for the word counterfeit? Yes. So I, it can mean so many different things. And if you don't read, you're not going to know that some words can mean all kinds of different things. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. especially when it comes to context, you know. But exactly. I, there is nothing wrong, folks. If you have the chance, go out there and read. I mean, there's anything. It, Internet anything. searches, it doesn't matter. Print stuff. Yep. Um, but reading is going to help expand, and it helps you. There's, there's fewer things out there that you can pick what you want and what interests you. We're really kind of limited in our life to do that, and reading is a way, especially with the Internet. I mean, it's on your phone, right? Mm -hmm. You can read things that interest you, gain knowledge on things that interest you that maybe doesn't interest anybody else that you even know. It doesn't matter. Absolutely. It helps live your purpose because what interests you is part of who you are and is part of your purpose. So expand on those things. Well, number two, listen to podcasts. And yeah. you are part of that because you're listening to one right now. <laughs> and we hope that listening to our podcast does help you improve. Yes. It certainly helps us improve. 100%. I mean, we get people send us lists um, or send us topics, which most of our shows these days are all requests. Mm-hmm. But the ones that aren't, I mean, you've come in numerous times and said, I want to do a show on this, right? The perception of failure that we did a few weeks ago. That was that was your topic. You know, it comes from things that we struggle with. 
And they should be things we struggle with right. because I think one thing that most people don't understand is that they're not alone in most of the things that they think about. Right. Listening to podcasts is one fantastic way to actually feel like you're part of a community, if you will, of other people thinking just like that. Right. This is something you have far more experience on than I do. Obviously, I listen to my own podcast, but, <laughs> but I, I don't, listen, to a, I don't listen to a lot of podcasts. So, Well, and interestingly enough, it has taken up 3% of the market podcasts have in the history of radio. So wow. it's an enormous platform for a lot of different creative souls to get out there and speak their message. But it also gives people, like just like a book, a focused kind of community of the things that they're going through. Because, you know, when you listen to talk radio, it's kind of generalized. But, you know, you can find a podcast about whatever you're interested in. Well, how do you search for podcasts? You can go on the Internet and search a list of podcasts. There's a lot of websites out there that will give you a list of podcasts. Ours is on actually a few of them. If you have Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, go to Indie Air Radio and look up our podcast. Or you can listen to anything. Most searches will allow you to actually put in what you're interested in. So if you said that I'm interested in crafts, building model airplanes, you can put that in there. I guarantee you there's a podcast on it. So, yeah. So that's pretty simple. Yeah, pretty simple and easy to get to. And that's, you know, back to the, you know, this isn't for reading and this isn't necessarily a podcast, but a mix of the two is YouTube. Oh, yeah. You know, I'm a big fan. Yeah, you can find endless information Mm -hmm. on YouTube. I changed my career because of YouTube. Yeah, you can definitely find anything, everything that you want to learn on YouTube. Except for uh, fixing your toilet, obviously. (laughs) Well, you didn't look up, how do I get somebody else to fix my toilet on YouTube? Or you would have been just fine with uh, fixing your toilet. Right. Well, the next one is take a course. Okay, that's mm-hmm. pretty traditional. Yep. And when we think of that, we think, oh, we have to go to a local university and take a course. Okay, that's right. one way. Mm-hmm. But there are all kinds of options for this. Basically, there's free online courses. There's, you know, as you said, community courses. There's courses at the library. There's courses on YouTube. There's courses, yeah. Anything that you're going to do that's going to be more structured in like a class is what kind of this is talking about. That doesn't just necessarily mean like it did 25 years ago or mm-hmm. 20 years ago or whatever, that you have to go to the university and take a course. That doesn't mean that. That's a good way to do it because sure. you're going to have a more structured professional instructor that you can ask more questions to. But there are all kinds of ways with which you can take a course now and learn something new and many of these are free. Absolutely. And the thing that you got to understand about taking courses now, for a lot of online places, these courses are actually, like you said, free. And it's almost a billion people that do this. Uh, it's, it's a staggering number. So, yeah, I mean, definitely, if you have the opportunity to take a course in whatever, right. you know, there's Udemy, there's Corsica, there's all kinds of different uh, platforms out there to take courses, then I do believe, and I'm not mistaken, learning annexes that the, you know, like local community places don't, mm-hmm. I think they still offer different kind of courses for you too as well. Right. And that's a way that we traditionally understand learning, right? Because mm-hmm. we had to go to school. So it's a way that our mind naturally works that way because it's been programmed, reconditioned over 12 years <laughs> right. to learn by taking a course. So it helps because it, it works all kinds of different aspects of the mind, right? You read, 
you write, yes. you test, so then you've got memory, you've got all these different aspects of regurgitating this information that is helpful in taking a course versus just like reading. Because reading, you don't have to figure out how to implement that reading. Exactly. You just have to input it. You don't have to figure out how to output it. Well, a course is going to help you input it, process it, and output it. Yeah, because you have somebody there helping you. Right, exactly. You know, when you don't and understand. And you get a grade, generally. I mean, yeah. not necessarily in some of these online or free ones, but you're going to get a grade. So you're going to be able to base how well you did on the inputting processing and outputting by the grade that you get and you know then you can process to another higher level if you take number one you can take number two and sure maybe you need you know you go to number two and you struggle maybe you go back to number one especially if they're free you can bounce all over the board oh, absolutely so, do it all the time but it's a yeah it's a way to practice those old patterns of how we learn and implement them in a new way that you don't have to go sit in a classroom and get papers back with red ink all over them and feel bad about yourself <laughs> like we did in traditional school. It's not like that anymore. And I'm happy because of it. But right. I think that goes right into number four is practice old passions. And I guess because we do get caught up in life, you know, kids and whatever, it's good to take a step back and look at those again, isn't it? Those are one of the things the show we did with uh, Mary Provolonis on Just for Fun. You know, that she's a trauma therapist, and she talked about dealing with people in extreme trauma and getting them back to things that they used to like to do in their childhood. And they would resist that, and they felt silly of that, of coloring in a coloring book or swinging on a swing or doing any of those things that they kind of felt silly saying they did for fun. But those are the things that actually brought them back to a happy time in their life. And so finding those things that are your old passions are things that you can really then go back into things that make you happy and give you enjoyment and calm you down and bring back good memories and all those different things. So, yeah, take a, take a moment to think about what those old passions were. Right. I mean, even if they were, like, collecting Hot Wheels when you were 10 years old. Right. I mean, think exactly. about that. It'd be a nice outing going out to an antique store and finding old Hot Wheels. I mean, you never know. Revisiting those old things that you enjoy that you don't normally do. Again, as we learned in that show from a trained professional, is healthy. It's very good for you mm-hmm. to do that as an adult to bring back all of those happy things from your childhood. So, yeah. Nostalgia. Um, it yes. can be a wonderful thing. We don't make time for this. No. One of the things that I just listened to the show the other day, re-listened to it, and we talked about that going and swinging on a swing, we were both going to do that. Mm-hmm. I, I've actually done that numerous times since then. If I go run, walk in the park or something, I'll take the time to actually swing on the swing. And I like it. I enjoy it. It, it brings back happy memories. So well, you, you got to make time for these things. And it's interesting because, you know, my mom is a big antiquer and mm-hmm. so is her sister. It's funny because they go out and they look for the things that remind them of their childhood. And yeah. it, I never even put those two things together until we talk about this show. And I'm like, man, they're doing really the same thing. We're just taught. They're reigniting that old passion that they felt, that, that good feeling that they felt when they had that plate or that toy or whatever that is. Right. So, yeah. Those things you don't think about. That's what she said. I never thought about those things until I was retired. Right. See, that's amazing. <laughs> Another thing is uh, reuniting these old passions of maybe spending time with some, some old friends. Mm. You know, that you don't necessarily make time for because life 
just happens. They're not sure. they're not one of your six people anymore. You know, even if you just talk to them on the phone or, or um, you reignite that friendship of and memories of things that you know you shared with these people that you don't share with you didn't share with anybody else from Absolutely. you know 20, 50 years ago or whatever. I don't think that's a bad idea either. And maybe you'll have a, a good conversation, and then that'll be the end of that. You may right. never talk to them again. Just go down memory lane for a minute, and that's a good thing. Yeah. Memory lane's a wonderful thing to drive through. It's not a place to build a house, house on, so, you know. <laughs> Another thing is redefining your goals. You know, things that maybe you haven't succeeded or things that you've put on the shelf for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Revisiting those things. I think that's a great idea, and I think it's very good to remember that just because you're refining them or reigniting them, just because you wanted to be a Picasso painter in your early teens and now you're 62, that may not happen, but you can still paint. paint. Exactly, exactly. Those And those things are huge. You know, I mean, how many retired guys get into woodworking? Exactly. Right? I mean, I know several, and they yep. are mad. They were masters at it. Mm-hmm. You know, now that they have the time, the effort, and they, again, they weren't tired after work every day, and they didn't have... All these things that they had to do when they were retired, they could sit down and do those things that they love to do. Um, we all understand that. If you're still in the workforce, we're saying take some time yeah. to do those things Absolutely. before 20, 30, <laughs> 40 years from now. Right. Do some of those things now. And maybe it's revisiting the past, and maybe it's taking a course or reading a book or doing something that's going to help propel you towards something that you wanted to be successful with in the future. That you can implement now. 100% agree with that. Well, number five. You don't like this one. I don't like this one, but you know what? I do think it is important if it's done in a good way is get feedback and critiques. And we didn't say criticism. We did not say criticism. And if you're a person that's sitting out there that says, oh, I don't like this one either. We have a whole show on (laughs) criticism as communication that we talk about the word criticism and critique came from the same Latin word and they mean the same thing, but how our perception of them makes the difference. One person can tell you the exact same thing as somebody else and one you get upset with and one you're like, oh, that's a great idea. We're all like that. We all don't like criticism. Or my favorite one and from that show is constructive criticism. Can I give you some constructive criticism? And the only thing I hear is I'm going to hear your opinion that doesn't really matter to right. amount of anything, you know. Exactly. But, yeah, sure, yeah. But it's a great show. Yeah, that was we really got down to, like, literally the <laughs> definition and went from there. No one likes to be criticized. No. No, none of us like it. A lot of us don't like feedback, especially if it comes in a negative way. Mm -hmm. So there's two sides to this. One, it's very healthy to get feedback and to get critique. It helps us to get better, right? Seeking it from people that you trust. Remembering that it's a perception, Mm -hmm. right? And so you need to maybe look at it from a different scope of that. Take it with the intent that it was intended Mm -hmm. versus your emotional response to it well do you think let me ask you this because you've been a manager um you've had employees do you think it's easier when somebody comes and asks you if you can uh, give them some feedback versus you having to give them some feedback so if you had an employee that said hey you know i'd like some feedback on this i think to me at least in my mind it seems like it would be a much different conversation i think that's true but i think that that puts us into the second part of that is that if you're the person giving the feedback 
you need to really be aware of how you give that feedback. Yeah, like, oh, Even yeah. if somebody asks, if my I had some employee come to me and ask for feedback, and I'm like, oh, now you ask for it, yeah. I'll give it to you. You might want to shut the door. Like that's not very productive. No. Right, yeah, and and vice versa. If I had to go to somebody to give them feedback or even to give them criticism, how you deliver that is really important, and being cognitive of that, mm-hmm. and not just, oh yeah, well, you know, I told them, or I could tell them, I'm the boss, and this is you're going to do it my way, and I'm going to tell you why you're doing it wrong. That is never going to be productive. You will get people to do things. Absolutely, you will. Right? I told them they're going to do it. And they likely will do it because they don't want to lose their job today. But they're not going to do it tomorrow or a week from now. No, that's true. And then they're going to not respect you and they're not going to like you. And every time they see you coming, they're going to cringe and they're going to go into the bathroom so they hide from you. That is not a good work environment. And with your spouse, your kids, if you come with them as criticism and you come at them hard and you're you're just downloading on them. Mm -hmm. And we emotionally do that sometimes out of our own frustration. But again, if you're the deliverer of that information, you really need to back up a step and think, what is the best way with which I can deliver this? And know that even with the greatest intention of delivering it in the best way possible, it still may backfire on you. So critique your critique, you know. Right, yeah, exactly. Know that it's, you know, you're the one that has kind of the power in this. You're mm-hmm. the one giving them the feedback. Deliver it in a way that's going to be less harsh than other ways. Right. And know on the flip side of that, if you're the one getting downloaded on, try to back away from the emotion if you can and think of it in as uh, critically as possible as opposed to emotionally as possible. Right. Because and that's really hard, respond. especially if you've got, you know, it's coming and you know you're not, <laughs> especially these are, when you ask for feedback and critique on something you know you're not good at, when we tell people that was terrible. Well, that's not helpful. No. Because, you know, you already know that was terrible. So, I need to know how to improve it. Right, exactly. So <laughs> telling them, oh, well, maybe if you'd have done this or this. And even that, if they're emotionally charged on it, is not going to be taken well. Mm-hmm. This is a very, very tricky thing. But, again, it's translated from the same Latin word, critique and criticism. It's exactly the same thing. It's just the judgment that we distinguish the good from the bad on something. So we need to understand that. Because none of us like being judged. No, and I think that you can critique people in a way that is less judgmental. Especially when you don't come from a point of, why did you mess this up? Instead of going, oh, okay, you messed it up. Well, this is just how you fix it. Because if you don't know, you don't know what you don't know. You know, so... When you come from that place, instead of going, what What do you mean you didn't know how to do this? I don't under. Okay, this is how you do it. I said the exact same thing, just in two different ways. It's all about perspective. It is about it's perspective. It's all about perspective. Critique your critique before giving the critique. Yeah. Know the words that you use when you're going to give the critique or the criticism, because they really make a difference. Yes, they Again, do. We, we did a whole show on words matter. Mm-hmm. What words you use, if you're going to use action words that are very judgmental, you're probably not going to get a very good response. One, yeah. But if you can use compassionate words that are open and accepting, you're probably going to have a little bit better outcome mm-hmm. than attacking somebody with action words. Right. And then, like you said, so where you, where you put the comma. So, you <laughs> exactly, <know. laughs> exactly. If you use the wrong words and use it in the wrong context, you're going to be misunderstood. Yeah. So, again, the words matter show, we talked a lot about that, that 
your message is going to be completely misunderstood. And if you're going to try to critique or criticize somebody or give feedback in an email or a text message or something, that is going to be even more difficult because then they're like, oh, I don't know how to take that. Um, Yeah, because you're going to take it wrong. Most of the time. Most, even when you know the person very well, even if it's your spouse, <laughs> we take those things wrong. What did you mean by this text? Exactly. And you know that person very well. If you're doing it for somebody that you don't know very well, that can well, be even trickier. Yeah, because it can be so subjective. It can really destroy a whole relationship, right? I mean, it's just it's one of those things that you, when you're delivering it and the message isn't conveyed right, there's no coming back from that. No. And understanding that criticism is an action, that's one of the things that we talked about in mm-hmm. the show, was that criticism is an action and critique is a theory. So that really makes a difference on how you perceive that information if you're the receiver. Something so subjective, it destroys relationships at work, at home. And most of the time, this comes out of an emotional response, either from the person delivering the information or you're delivering some information that's going to really tap into my low self-esteem, my low self-confidence, and I'm going to bounce back with an emotional reaction. There's a lot of emotion around feedback, criticism, and critique. Just know that when you get into it. But it's vitally important to improving. You've got to know ways that you can improve, and a lot of times that comes from other people giving you feedback in a way that maybe you don't like. Then find out why you don't like it. Exactly. And if you really, really don't like it, it's generally more about you than it is about them. (laughs) So they're touching into something. So that's a really good way to figure it out. Well, number six is we talked about reigniting some old goals. Mm -hmm. But number six is about working towards your goals. And we've talked about this in other shows. We have a whole show on Goal setting and Absolutely. Uh, decision making process. Those are two shows that we have that are 100% on this. Because you first have to define what you want and work a plan on how you're going to accomplish it. Right? So mm-hmm. you have to know what that, what that goal is. And that's a big problem. A lot of people don't know what that end product looks like. No. And so if you don't know what it, the end looks like, how in the world are you possibly going to get there? You know, I'm going to go out for a drive. If you don't know you want to go to Chicago, um, where are you going? Exactly. And I think most of the time when we're talking about setting those goals, putting pen to paper is the best way to go about doing that. And we give the eight steps on the decision-making process on how do you make decisions on how to do that and waiting options and things like that. And, you know, you have to go out there and you have to write these things down because like we've talked about in other shows, you know, if your goal is to own a house, you can write that down, but... You have no steps to get there. Right. It's not about going yeah. from zero to owning a house. It's, there's processes in there. Right, exactly. You know, and being able to pivot and change and, yeah. It, 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 and You've got to commit to the daily practice, but you, you have to know what there you're you supposed go. to be practicing. You know, perfection is in the practice. If you are not practicing those things that are going to get you towards your goal you're not likely going to get there. Mm -hmm. And then you're going to feel like a failure because, well, I I gave it everything I had uh, to get to Chicago, and the longer I drove on 65 South from Indianapolis, (laughs) I never even saw a sign for Chicago. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But we do that. We all do that in our life all the time, right? We want to go to Chicago, and we don't put a plan together, and we're on 65 South, and then we're completely lost, Mm -hmm. and we just give up. Nope. I never did. I just went home because I never, I never even saw a sign for Chicago. Right. 
And, you know, but a lot of those small signs saying, welcome to Kentucky, welcome right. to Tennessee, <laughs> exactly. we're there. It's about those small things that we do every day. That So if you see a sign like you're entering Kentucky, that's a small indication. Pivot. Right. So it's about those small things that we're going to do every day to get us to our goal. Right. Those stretch targets, those baby steps that we talk about all the time. Mm-hmm. Those stretch targets should stretch you but not break you. Right. They should push you. They should help you grow. Maybe you're going to fail perceived a hundred times in that but you're going to keep going you're going to keep going you're going to take baby steps until you accomplish it that's how you succeed you don't succeed by jumping from one to a hundred right you go from one to two two to three three to four four to five and so forth yeah because there's no pro athlete out there that you see has ever just walked on that field and became a pro athlete right exactly (laughs) they started at five that's right (laughs) Right. exactly (laughs) but with goal setting remember that's Statistically, the number one reason why we fail our goals is that we do not measure our success or failure and we rework it. We get to a stumbling block and that stumbling block seems too big and we don't break it down into smaller pieces. Then we get emotionally attached to this and then we quit. So even in the process, you may come across something that is monumentally too big that you haven't planned for that you need to break down into smaller steps. You need to rework it. You need to find out, ask yourself, how is this working? So many people, you know, especially in their job, um, I'm doing this project. It's on a time crunch and I'm just going to go from zero to a hundred <laughs> and they get to a hundred and it's absolutely terrible because they've never looked back and thought, Oh, you know, <laughs> I, I, I missed steps 40 to 60 <laughs> and we do that all the time. You're right. And but you've got to figure how's it working for me, rework it, retool it. That's life, right? Every how day. much how much of our stuff actually works out the way we planned it? Very little. We really have to as you say, pivot and work around it and tweak it and replan it and give it up and start it over and that's life. Well that is life. And that I gotta tell you that takes us right into number seven is you gotta be open to the change. So if you're right. working a plan, this is exactly what we're talking about. Things are going to change. Our body is physiologically different than it was thirty seven minutes ago. Yeah. Period. But to improve yourself, change is inevitable. And if you're not willing to change, you're generally not going to move forward unless life is going to kick you there. And it's a whole lot better to make your own decisions than having life to make your decisions for you. Uh, Take it from somebody that knows many times where the decision was made for me. It's always better to be the person making the decision of the change. Yep, change is part of living. And you can't stop the change. So then that's what we're talking about when you're setting the goal. Learn to pivot. Learn to understand that you got to be open to that constant, forever revolving door change. Not to harp on past shows, but we did a show on this one too with Susie Callen, right? On the precursor to change. Mm-hmm. She actually has a worksheet on that. And oh, yeah if, yeah. if you're going through a change process, that's a great show. She went through all the steps of how you can do this a little bit easier and do it a lot more successful if you know these precursor to changes, the steps that you take that are constant. No matter what your change is. And that was show 97, right? Yep. Okay. I got to tell you, I like the next one, and it really speaks to what a lot of people need is, you know, get around a community. And I really do generally believe that people don't have enough of this. No, they don't. I I don't think people surround themselves with people that support them enough. Right. I don't know that people can define that there are six people that they surround themselves with are positive and good for them and would carry them through the darkness. Mm -hmm. I think some people would 
would not choose those six people if it was in a positive way. <laughs> you know, if they were saying, are your six people positive and, and help you and support you? And some people, I don't even think they can define six people. And I got to say, it's, it is true. We've talked about this in many shows that people just don't have those six people to help them get through those changes, to help them become better people. None of that stuff. And it's just, it, I think that part is sad. But you have to find a community that will lift you, not keep you suppressed. Exactly. So exactly. it, wherever that's at, that might be a church, that might be a community center, that might even be your family that you haven't talked to in a long time. Exactly. So yeah, I mean, find that and seek it out. You're not going to find those six people hanging down on the street corner going, oh, there you are. Right. I've been looking for you. And now you get what you give. That's so right. So if you're not one of those six people, you're not likely to find one of those six people. Right. Definitely spend some time soul search for those six people. And most of the time, they'll find you. Well, those are the eight right. so that you Stuart got to list. has lift. a couple extra. So you actually added a few more. So what's the ones that you added? I added face your fears. Good one. Don't be afraid to fail. It's just a perception. Again, we did a whole, a whole show on that, show number eight that just aired a couple weeks ago. Again, it was a, a re-air. We've said it a lot. Is the fear is the brain's way to keep us safe. Mm-hmm. Um, but most of the time we need to override that fear because fear is just a perception. But we let it polarize us. We get stuck in those change that we just talked about. And rather than us making the choice and kind of riding the wave through the change, mm-hmm. we fight it and create bigger scenarios than it needs to be. And we create that thing that we feared versus that thing actually happening right. on its own. Because the worst case scenario generally doesn't happen. Sometimes it does, and that's bad. And but We've manifested right. something far worse. So, right. yeah. But you got to face your fears. Uh, instead of running from them, hiding from them, burying yourself from them, face it head on, get your six people to help you. Um, maybe they have to carry you through it, but face your fears. It's going to disarm your fears. That's not going right. to have the control over you anymore, and you're going to be able to move forward. Yep, I agree. The next is admit your mistakes. I like this one because so often we think admitting a mistake is a form of failure or a form of, you know, saying that I'm not good enough. Right. And I just... And we I, all do that. Yeah. And we all... We, we can forgive other people, I think, sometimes a lot easier than we Ooh, forgive ourselves. Mm-hmm. But we have to <laughs> forgive ourselves and admit our own mistakes. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's, I think that's really hard. But we're able to build better relationships um, when we admit the mistakes as quickly as possible. And don't complain about the consequences. If you're the one that made the mistake, take it, own right. it, move on from it. Well, it's far worse if you just yeah. admit it. And I mean, again, when we're talking about, hey, look, Christy, I made this mistake. You know, your reaction is going to be, Oh, okay. It's not going to be... Yeah. (laughs) And even if I do come at you like, what are you doing? Or whatever. (laughs) That's temporary. That's temporary. (laughs) But you got to accept that. And and maybe that's one of those face your fears. Mm -hmm. Because I think a lot of people don't admit their mistakes because they're afraid of the consequences if they admit their mistakes. Oh, yeah. If you're over the age of 30, you understand this. That stuff comes out anyway. Yeah, it will. It always comes out. They're always going to find out. It's a lot better to hear it from you than hear it from somebody else. Right. And the last one of my list is invest in those things that you value. I also agree, yes. Uh, but the key to this is you got to know what you value. Mm, 
You know, know what your values are and know the things that you value. And if you value those things, invest them. If you say you value the people in your life, you need to invest in that. You can figure out very quickly of what you value by looking at your checkbook on what you spend your money on and by looking at your calendar on where you spend your time on. And if those are not the things that you really value of where you spend your time and where you spend your money, you need to reevaluate those things because that's where you're putting your energy, the law of attraction, that's what you're going to get a return on. So if you value the people in your life, you've got to spend time and invest in those people in your life. Absolutely. Well, there you have it, folks. The eight steps. Plus a few more. Plus a few more. (laughs) You know, to help get you motivated, get you out there, and start really finding ways to improve and keep improving. And know that that is part of the human experience. Yeah. Is to continually improve. To the day that we take our last breath, it's about continually improving. Well, Christy, do you have any final thoughts for us today? Well, you know, we've done shows on being stuck and getting out of our own way. And those are things that happen to all of us. But if we can focus on continued improvement, then we continue to move forward through those tough times that we feel stuck. Gaining more knowledge, revisiting things that have worked for us in the past, uh, things like making a plan and working that plan. You know, as Sally Hillman says, stay a step ahead of the fear. And that, my friends, will keep you moving forward. And continued moving will result in a continual improvement. You can see the light at the end of the tunnel. You know, sometimes we fear it's a train. But the more we know about ourselves, and the more we know about the tunnel, the more confident you're going to be walking through it. And know that the light is the universe's way of providing hope that this too shall pass. And exiting the other side is a continued goal is the way of improvement. So we're about out of time for this show, and we have some great news. Starting January 1st, 2022, you can find our show at livingonpurposepodcast.com or any of the podcast platform like Spotify, Google Play, iTunes, Stitcher. Just search Living on Purpose Podcast and subscribe to the podcast or look us up on Facebook and give us a like and let us know what you want to add to this new show. That's right. So live every day of your life. On purpose. On purpose.